0: The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. You can be seated in God's presence. Glory be to God. I have a lot of ground I want to cover tonight. So I'm just going to take off from where we left off on Sunday. We established as we started this series. We're talking about prosperity this month. And I want to encourage you to keep praying and keep believing God for ever-increasing manifestations of the prosperity of God for your life. It's not limited to just finances. So if there's any area or aspect of your life that you are not satisfied with the prosperity you are manifesting, believe God for it, pray for it, meditate, study your devotional daily, meditate on the word, confess the word, declare the word. And learn to walk in the things that will make your prosperity manifest more and more. We said on Sunday that you are already prosperous. You are not going to be prosperous. We are not teaching you this because we want you to start to get prosperity. No, you already have it. Say, I already have it. And that is in every area of your life. Every area. Even those areas where it seems you are defeated. You are already prosperous in that area. If you will just look closer into the word of God, you will see that. And you need to believe that. If every sick person can believe that they're already healed, they're already on their way to manifesting their healing. If every broke person can believe they're already rich in Christ, if you are born again, you're already on the way to overcoming that adversity. It's God's will for us to prosper. And we concluded by saying what you and I need is to understand the keys that will make it operate in our lives. Because the prosperity we have is a spiritual one. God did not put a million dollars in our bank account when we got born again. Sometimes I wish that's how it is, but sorry to bust your bubble. That's not the kind of prosperity we have. It is blessings, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So the ability to convert, I use the illustration of converting dollars, Naira to dollars. I was thinking about it. This this every time I travel, I see some of our members that have relocated to America. I mean, this last summer blast, some of the guys that just went to Canada, I mean they came they came for summer blast in the US and all that. I mean, some of the things we quote unquote so far here, they are not suffering it there. I mean, imagine going to America and Nepal is still taking your light. How is that possible? It can't happen. Just by reason of relocation. Certain things that happen in a lesser, permit the analogy, please, the lesser kingdom cannot happen in the higher kingdom. And that's how it is for the Christian. You have been translated from darkness to light. You are no longer um, just a resident of the world system. You are now a resident of the kingdom of God system. So the things that used to happen in your spirituality in Nigeria should not be happening. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Nepal can't take your light. I mean, they don't suffer. They don't need generator and all those things that we have to get here. But listen to this very carefully. Do you know there are people in America that don't have electricity? There are people there. Do you know there are beggars in America? Just like we have beggars on the streets of Lagos. So it's not just enough to be in a particular kingdom. If you don't cooperate with the things that make prosperity happen, I mean, America is the most prosperous nation on the face of the earth. Just last month and two months ago, for the first time in human history, I don't know, those kind of things should ring a bell in your system. Human history, it has never happened before. Apple became the first company, it's an American company, $1 trillion, the, the idea that somebody had a few years ago, I mean... I don't think Apple is up to 50 years old. I don't know how long the company... It was an idea. Let's start making devices, electronic devices, and let's do it this particular way. Of course, they've grown. That is now what a tree. It has never happened in human history before. I think that was the month of July. The month of August, Amazon followed. Praise God. If, If my history and my knowledge is not correct, Amazon was just an electronic bookseller. That's how Amazon said, just selling books. Okay, instead of people buying physical books, we now have internet. Can, that's where they started from. And of course, they've expanded. They're into everything and anything now. They too are worth a trillion dollars. So it's possible to be in that kind of environment, that kind of economy, that kind of kingdom, and Nepal will still be taking your light. <laughs> you know what I mean by Nepal taking your light? There are people in America that are poor, even though there are other people in the same kingdom that their ideas are appreciating in value so thank god that jesus has brought us into the kingdom of god and it's a kingdom of prosperity praise the lord if we don't learn how to operate in the prosperity that the system affords us i i had warren buffett so, you know i mean those of you that know He said this a few years ago, that he doesn't think he will be as wealthy as he is. He's one of the worst richest men in America, if he was born in Africa. So he understands that there's a hand of providence in what happened, because the environment that gave him the opportunities he had is not there. And that is true. If Apple started in Lagos, maybe the guy will still be in Computer Village now. And I wonder how many computer village people have the kind of vision or idea that Apple has, or even better, but we can't see it because environment, limitations of environment. Now, all that aside, I said all that to bring us to the fact that the kingdom you are in or the economy you are in, the environment can affect how you work in prosperity, but that's not enough. How you... Operate what is available to you. Matters. And that's where believers must start thinking. Praise God. So you need to know how this prosperity you have. First of all, you need to know the kind of prosperity you have. Then how to work it. It's a spiritual kind of prosperity. So what you have to learn is to take spiritual things and know how to convert them into earthly places. The same way if you are going to America, you take your naira and you convert it to dollars. You can't spend naira there. Nobody will sell anything to you. The same way you can't walk to a bank in Nigeria now and say, MD, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, God in Christ Jesus. Give me one million naira. They will arrest you, sir. In fact, they won't arrest you. They will take you to a mental institution. <laughs> But do you know there's a way you can take the revelation of I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, do certain things, and eventually there will be money in your bank account. Can I hear loud amen. amen? Somebody say conversion. conversion. And that's really what we are teaching. Any prosperity key you see, that's what it really does. Those keys don't give you, per se, what you want to see. Christ has obtained what you want to see for you free of charge, gratis, by grace. Glory be to God. But operating in the principles of the kingdom, part of it is what we did a few minutes ago praying. When they tell you it's a new dawn, not that you forgot. Because that is a new don't doesn't mean to come to pass. You pray it out. You see, these things, part of my job is to show you, you stay on, you confess it, you pray it, when you wake up, that's what you are believing. I don't just believe I'm a new don't, it's my new don't because I'm preaching. That's what I've been believing since I left that conference. While we knew the theme of the conference before we got there. I'm not going to remain the way I was before this conference. You set your mind that way. And you take one, two, three. My life has already changed. I'm telling you the truth. That is a a key. Wage a warfare with the prophecy that has gone ahead of you. Hallelujah. So specifically this month, we are looking into the principle of stewardship. Because if you study scriptures, you will see that stewardship has a role to play in how you, in our case, manifest prosperity. I talk about the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints. Under the old covenant, God will tell them, if you serve me, I will prosper you. We read that in scriptures. Job 36, 11. If they obey me and serve, if they obey and serve, they will spend their days in prosperity. I love that phrase. Somebody lift your hands and say, I spend my days in prosperity. Claim it for yourself and my years in pleasure. Say it again. I spend my days in prosperity. And my years in pleasure. Beautiful verse of scripture. But they have to serve to get it. Under the New Testament, we don't serve to get it. Very, very important distinction. I won't say too much than that now. We'll go into it further as we go in this section. You already have it. Somebody shall already have it. However, your stewardship, which is why we are teaching. So don't come and say, ah, well, in New Testament, I don't have to serve. You will be broke, sir. I can tell you that off point. Not because you have to serve for God to prosper you. If that was the case, then there would be no need for grace. But thank God we have grace. Hallelujah. Say with me, I'm under grace. And what that simply means is God blesses you simply because of what Jesus did, not because of your service. Can I hear a loud Amen. However, that doesn't mean you don't need to understand stewardship. And if you follow this section as we are going on, you will see why you need to understand stewardship. And why, even though you are not an Old Testament saint, you also should serve. Look at that verse we prayed in Romans 7. That we should serve in newness of the Spirit. Serving God in newness of the Spirit. Not because we want God to bless us. We don't have to serve so that God can bless us. Because we are already blessed. Can I hear aloud, a amen? Amen. And God did not check our stewardship. Pastor T, did you pray before he blessed you? No. Blessed be the Lord and God of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Be God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ that we are blessed. But that does not mean stewardship does not apply to our lives like it did apply to the Old Testament saints. Praise God. So we concluded on Sunday that you need to develop and maintain a stewardship mindset. That's what I want to deal with tonight. A stewardship mindset and a stewardship mentality. You need to learn to have, cultivate, and have the right attitude where serving God is concerned. And if you follow very well, you will see how that relates to prosperity as we go on in this teaching. Romans 1.1, the first thing I want us to know tonight is the way the apostles describe themselves in the epistles, the way Paul described himself, the way Peter described himself. They use this phrase, Romans 1.1, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, Separated to the gospel of God. Philippians 1 1. Paul writing again, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. In practically all his epistles, that's how Apostle Paul said his letter Paul, an apostle. Paul, an apostle. Particularly in these two epistles in Romans and Philippians, he introduced the word born servants. In other words, I want you all to know I'm a servant of God. I'm a child of God. Please, that's very important. If you've attended uh, workers' conferences, which we've had, particularly in the last three, four years ago, that was our theme. You see, some people in understanding worship, they now forget that they are sons and daughters of God. Somebody say, not me. So this is not to take away from the fact that we are sons and daughters of God. And like I said, that's why we are prosperous. But even though we are sons and daughters, like Paul was... Notice they call themselves bond servants. Hallelujah. That's where my James Bond name came from. Or Abramovich Bond, not James. (laughs) Amen. Bond servants. And really, one of the things they are telling us is it's it's vital as a Christian. If you're going to be a prosperous Christian, if you're going to be a victorious Christian, if you're going to be an impactful Christian, a successful Christian, be a servant. Or... How you serve and how you conduct yourself in stewardship matters. Hallelujah. So you see this same phrase of calling themselves born servants in James chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. They all refer to themselves as servants of God. Hallelujah. So it's important. We are doing something in church now. We want to get everybody into Stewardship. Everybody should be serving God in one capacity or the other in this church, particularly if you have been in church for a while. You should get to the point like Paul was. Paul said, I'm an apostle. I, I, I don't, I'm not a worship leader. I'm not a businessman. He could describe his assignment. If you read his epistles, you'll see that I'm not just an apostle. I'm an apostle sent to the Gentiles. He, he knew what he was called to do, to whom he was called to do it, and the things he was called to do. It has a major, major impact on your manifesting and working in prosperity and in success and in victory. Question, was Apostle Paul a successful man? Talk to me, somebody. Did he live a successful Christian life? So by him, of all things, he could use to introduce himself. It's instructive that he kept telling us, I'm a servant of God. He didn't even say I'm a son of God to introduce himself. He kept telling us his assignment and what he did for God. And so it's no surprise that in his epistle to the Philippians, Philippians 2:5, quickly open there, he told us, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. We're going to do quite some reading here. Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5. So projection, please help those that didn't come to church with their Bibles. Follow us. Let this mind, and this is where we are going, develop the mindset of a steward. Let this mind. So we are talking about your mentality. We are talking about the attitude of your soul. You know, thought John 2 tells us God wants us to prosper in everything as our soul prospers. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Praise the Lord. Let this mind be in you, verse 5, which was in Christ Jesus. So there was a mindset or a mentality Jesus had. Paul said, I want you to have that mentality. That is the mentality Paul had when he wrote to us, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and an apostle. The mindset I'm going to talk about here. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, he didn't insist on the fact that I am God or I'm a son of God. That wasn't what he put forward. That's what that phrase, consider it robbery, means. But even though he was God, or in our case, even though he was a child of God, a son of God, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. Can you see what Paul was doing here? He was imitating Christ, being like Jesus. Tap your neighbor to your left and to your right and say, live like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Know Jesus. Follow his example. We talked extensively on that in the month of July. In the, he took up the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men, he came to serve when he came as a human being. Hallelujah. There are seven Qualities or attitudes and attributes Apostle Paul mentioned here. And I'm, I'm going to have you note them, then we'll talk about them briefly tonight. See, I want you, by the grace of God, to develop the mentality and the mindset of a steward. Let this mind be in you. There are seven of them, and as we read, we're going to read all the way from verses 5 to verse 18. Just 13 verses. I want, I want us to pick seven. There, there may be more there, but I just want to focus on seven. I think if you can lay hold on seven principles, seven attitudes, seven um, mindset building blocks and learn to incorporate them into the way you serve God and into the way you live your life, you are where You will be well on your way. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. Glory be to God. So when he tells us, let this mind be in you, what is he telling us there? Follow the example of Jesus. That's the first attitude you should have. During the vigil, I talked to you about having following faith. Follow Jesus. Glory be to God. So that's the first one. Write that down. Follow the example of Jesus or be like Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Hallelujah. Being found in the appearance, verse 8 now, being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. That's the second quality I want you to see. Humility. Write that down. Number one, follow the example of Jesus. We are talking about developing the mindset of a servant. There are qualities here that are taught us. Humility. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Number three, obedience. And note what they told us, obedient to the point of death. Death could not intimidate him and move him and scare him away from obeying God. He would rather die than to disobey God. That kind of person, if you say, okay, we are going to give you sickness. Is that, you say, I bring your sickness on. We are still going to obey God. Obedient to the point of death. Verse 9. And this is where we are going to end up by the end of the day. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that's above all names. This is, you see, this shows you how stewardship connects to your prosperity. What he's teaching us here is this look, Jesus served, he became a bond servant. And because of that, God has exalted him. Therefore, what, what do you mean therefore? This is the reason why God gave him a name above all names. Lift your hands and receive this. May you experience divine promotion this season. May 2018 indeed be a year of divine elevation for you. This is the kingdom key right there. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. He was elevated to the highest because of stewardship, because he lived like a bond servant, even though he was God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord. Verse 12, let's go on. We are going to number seven. What number do you have now? Number what? How many qualities do you have? Talk to me. What's the first one? Follow Jesus. Number two, humility. Number three, obedience. Number four, watch verse 12. Therefore, my beloved... As you have always obeyed, we've talked about obedience, not only in my presence, not only when you come to church. You know, it's amazing how some people are so lovely and beautiful in church. I I went for a conference recently, and it was, they were teaching grace and things like that. We finished the conference, so, car park, there was now traffic, and it was taking a while, and it was a while. So, all of a sudden, one woman just came, she had just lost it, shouting, shouting, as if we were coming from a nightclub or hell. No decorum of the grace we just had one hour ago. That's what he's talking about here. Not only in my presence. I know you can behave when I'm preaching and talking to you in church. I'm talking about when you're in one hour traffic. When Nepal takes your light for two months and transforms our bones. And they are even telling you to bring money to come and fix Transformer. After charging you, Bill. I mean, I mean, wait, you see, that's why he's saying there not only my presence. If you do this, in only my presence. It won't work, sir. Because there's a God that has an all-seeing eye. <laughs> not only my presence, but now. Much more in my absence. When you are in one hour traffic and the pastor is not preaching a sermon like this to you. What are you to do? Not only my presence, walk out your own salvation. That's the number four quality. Walk. Which kind of servant are you that doesn't walk? Have an attitude of walk or diligence. Walk. Walk. Walk out your salvation. But listen, this is not a walk that will stress you. Look at the next verse. No, no, no. Number four, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the fifth one. Have the fear of God. We talked about that also in July. Reverence for God. Fear of God. There's many of these things we've taught you before. I just want you to put everything in context. Walk out your salvation. Your salvation will not just manifest, sir. I know you are saved, though. I know you are blessed, though. I know you are prosperous, though. But a lazy Christian will not see manifestations of these things. I say loud amen to that if you know what I'm talking about. You, I mean, you, you got to walk, sir. But not just the wrong kind of walk. So he said, walk out with fear and trembling. So number five is what? Fear and trembling. And of course, you know this is the fear of God. For it is God that works in you both to will and to do. Verse 13 of his good pleasure. So the good news is, this is work that God is going to enable you to do. Like Apostle Paul said, and what I am by the grace of God, I labored more abundantly than them all. Yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was laboring through me. So don't be afraid of the word work. First of all, I even have a problem if you're afraid of the word work. What is your problem? Do you want to be the opposite of walk? <laughs> Amen. But even beside that, we are telling you that God is going to walk in you. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God walks in me. I can't hear you. Shout out loud. God walks in me. I still have a life of ease. Come on, I can't hear you say, I still have a lifetime of ease. Though I have to walk. It's God that is walking in me. Verse 14. So we are on number what now? Number five? Okay. Number one is what? Talk to me. Ah, Following. Number two is what? Humility. Humility. Number three? Number four? Work. Diligence. Honestly, I will tell you the truth. Some people are too lazy to prosper. I will tell you the truth. I mean, I have to tell I'm the pastor. You are too too lazy. It's a labor to enter into the rest. The way you are going, you are too lazy to prosper. You won't pray. You won't confess. You won't worship. You won't say... You are too lazy to prosper. Not that you are, and you are prosperous. Walk. Very vital. Let me rush because of time. Number four, fear of the Lord. Am I right? Reverence for God. Five. Look at number number six. Do all things without complaining and disputing. So don't be a grumbling person. The, the, The sixth key is gratitude. You can't be serving God and be complaining and be grumbling, do all things without complaining and, and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless children of God without fault, in the midst of recruited and perverse generation, among whom you shine as light in the world. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run or labored in vain. So I'm investing all this effort inside of you I'm teaching you all these things, I'm praying for you, I'm planting these churches over you, I'm raising leaders, I'm doing all these things, and I don't want what I'm doing to be a wasted effort. So you need to do certain things. Not to get what Jesus has obtained for us, all we do to get what Jesus has obtained for us is to believe in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear a loud amen? But now that we have gotten it, this is how we maintain it. That's what we teach Christians. So it's not doing things so that God can bless us. Somebody say, God has already blessed me. Verse 17. Yes. Watch how we ended this part of the the, the letter. Yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, in that words, I'm serving you by building up your faith, teaching you these things I'm teaching you, praying for you, Laboring over you. So, and he said, My life is as if my life is being sacrificed as a drink offering. All of you Africans, you know, in the village when they will take Siman and, and pour it out and make oblation. That's why it's that, pouring out drink, a sacrifice. That's the example. So he said, even if that's what's happening, if I'm laboring to service your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. For the same reason, also be glad and rejoice with me. I'm sure you know what the seventh condition is. Talk to me. Joy. You can't tell me because you are the pastor of the church and you have to labor over us and you sacrifice over us. You are now frowning. For where? God will never prosper you on that work. You will do it. I know your life is a sacrifice, so I know we are pouring you out as a drink offering. I know we are running over you like a rock. You must do it joyfully, sir. If it is the same way for the pastor, it is the same way for the sheep. You must have an attitude of joy. Heart of joy. If you are pastoring like Paul was, do it with joy. If you are ushering, do it with joy. If you are giving, what should you do? You do it with joy. Can I hear loud amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Developing a stewardship mentality. So the, the kind of steward. That the Bible wants us to be the kind of bond servant that God wants us to be. There, there are certain qualities with it. We are exploring those seven qualities. So let's look at them one, one, by one in detail. I just want to give you these things. And again, remember how we've been teaching all year long: examine yourself whether you are in the faith. We don't take these things to condemn you. So you check how you are serving. And if there's something missing in the way you are doing it, or there's something you can improve upon the way you are doing it, you improve upon it. Before we go on here, again, look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 28. This is the key. This is where we got the rider of our teaching from. If you've seen the artwork, please put up the artwork for us again so people can look at it. Um, we said stewardship, prosperity, and we are talking about experiencing. No, the one on prosperity. Experiencing the joy. Of serving God for the abundance of all things. Abundance of all things is prosperity. So you serve God in joy and you can experience it, you can manifest it. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 again. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. I mean, and that's the last quality we talked about. Some people are serving God all right, but they are complaining, they are not happy, they are grumbling. Sometimes, like Paul was saying, when you are serving God, it takes sacrifice. It's as if they are pouring out your life like a drink offering. But even so, praise the Lord, you have to do it joyfully. Ah, the earlier you have that kind of attitude and mindset, the better for you. Can I hear loud amen? So he said, Because you did not do it for the abundance of everything, therefore you will serve your enemies. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. Whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness. Say with me, um, not me, not me. Oh, you can use to Tophiaqpa if you want. Say not me. And in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. That's your enemy. Somebody shout again, not me. Glory be to God. Now, of course, when you read things like this, you interpret it in the positive. This tells us that what God has for us as his children that serve him is that none of this adv- this is the curse of the law. Lift your hands and say Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I mean Christ has redeemed you for all this. Hallelujah. And the even better part for us is even before I served or anything, this is my point. This this is God's will for me. Unlike them that you see the, the Old Testament was very interesting. You do what God tells you to do, you get blessed. But it's not just there. You don't do what God tells you to do, you get cursed. The New Testament is a better covenant and better promises. It has nothing to do with whether you do what God said you should do or not. It has everything to do with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus has done everything for you. Not only is it that you are blessed without doing anything per se, glory be to God, it also means you are not cursed at all because Jesus has taken away the curse from you. Hallelujah. So I'm not sharing this with you to scare you that, hey, these things can happen to you if you don't serve. Somebody say, not me, not me. Shout out loud, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. But I'm showing you the kind of blessings that stewardship and the kind of prosperity that stewardship can bring into our lives, manifest in our lives. Hallelujah. When we do it right, when we serve God with joy and gladness of heart... We will not serve our enemies. You will not serve sickness. said you will not serve hunger. You will not serve thirst. You will not serve... In other words, all these things should not be my life. Can I hear a loud amen? Amen. Now, even if you think some of these are your life, open your mouth and declare out loud, "Not not me. Because that's what Jesus has obtained for you. So experiencing it is what we want to teach you. The joy of serving God for the abundance of all things hallelujah the kind of mindset you have plays a major role now that you are born again I want you to prosper in all things as your soul prospers so one dimension of soul prosperity every believer should have is to develop Or renew your thinking to function as the kind of steward God wants you to be. Even though you are his son and his daughter. And it starts with you following the example of Jesus. I won't dwell too much on that. I've taught that a lot. Follow. told you about following faith. Some people, you are not following. You are not following Jesus. Your your life, you you, you put your life this way. You put Jesus this way. We can't see the correction. Jesus is a servant. You are not a servant. You are not following. And you need to change that. Follow me and I will make you, Jesus said. And the most practical way to follow is to follow someone that is following. What Apostle Paul taught the churches he, he pastored. 1 Corinthians 1, 11, 1, Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. If you're a member of this church, as you see the pastor and other people serving God, follow. Follow with us. When you see us going to pray, pray with us. When you see us preparing for grace culture and supernatural, prepare with us. Not that we're telling you to register, you'll be doing as if you can't hear. mm Follow, imitate me as I imitate Christ. First Corinthians four sixteen. He said, "Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Imitate me. Look at what he said to the Thessalonians. I've not shared this scripture with you. I think this is very important. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Please put up the text for us. Second Thessalonians chapter three from verse six. But we command you, brethren. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every border who walks disorderly. He will explain what it means by disorderly now. So don't behave like those brethren in church. They are are church members who, but their, their life pattern is disorderly. You see what it means by disorderly. And not according to the tradition which you receive from us. So in any church, even in Apostle Paul's church, there will be brethren, I use the term rascality. The very thing the pastor is teaching against, that's what they want to do. Don't follow them, Withdraw from them. Don't follow them. Because that's not how to serve God. By the way, serving God includes worship God. So that's how to serve God. You are supposed to be an imitator of Jesus. And you do that by following the pastor or the leader God has put over your life. Hallelujah. Verse 7. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Nobody in this church is able to tell God that I didn't teach you to pray in this church. For where? You know how you ought to follow us. We teach it. We live it. We display it. We demonstrate it. Follow. That's how you serve. That's the best place to start from. Let this mind be in you. That was in Christ. Follow the example. Follow the example. You yourself know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat any man's bread for free, free of charge. But we walked, hallelujah, and labored, hallelujah, and toiled night and day. We laid a very good example before you. That we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves watch it again. An example of how you should follow us. That's why we display the things we do. I can be praying in secret. Years before we said pursuit, I I was already consistently praying. I don't have to be telling you to come and pray when I want to pray now. You're not the one I'm praying to. But you, you just, as a leader, you, you tell people this how to do it. This how to do it. Follow me as I'm following Christ. You, you, you see the results I'm getting. You like Follow me as I'm following Christ. Can I hear loud amen? amen? Second one, humility. Again, we don't need to talk too much about this. Romans 12. Please note this text from verses 1 to 8. So Paul said he humbled himself in Philippians chapter 2. In Romans chapter 12, he was teaching us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8, was talking about stewardship. Let's read read Romans 12. I think we should spend, you know, sometimes we think everybody is familiar with these scriptures. And they are not. Then even those that are familiar with it, it's been a while since they read it. And more importantly, they may not be living it in their day-to-day life. So let's not overassume. Romans 12, are you there? I can't hear you. Yes. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, again, watch that he's talking to Christians, born-again people. And you will see in the letter he told them to serve. Not because if you don't serve, God will not bless you. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. Because, you see, the worst thing you can do is to serve from a wrong motive. This is part of why we are teaching you to develop this mindset. You must have the right motive. You know, when you start serving, please watch this, because I think many people make this mistake with God. And it may be the reason why some people are serving and there are no manifestations in their life. When you start serving so that you can get God's approval, you are falling from grace. You are trying to do this is what the Bible calls dead works. The way to serve is you know I'm already accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. I'm already a son of God. I'm already a child of God. I don't have to serve for God to bless me. I'm already a joint, a, an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ. That's not, I'm not serving so that God can bless me. No. Praise God. So I'm not serving to be accepted by God. I'm not trying to bribe God or cajole God. Mm-hmm. There are other reasons why we should serve. And we must have that New Testament mindset of stewardship. I wish I had more time to deal with that. I hope I'll be able to get into it deeper in the course of this teaching. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies. Watch this. A living sacrifice. You are to live sacrificially. And it's, um, what he was talking about in Philippians is the sacrifice of service. But living. Not that what you do it today, you do it tomorrow. You do it in January, you do it in February. You do it in September. A living sacrifice, that you present about a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is what? Your reasonable service. In Hebrews 12, we talked about acceptable service. This is reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is part of why we are teaching these things. Praise God. That you may prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What does it mean to prove it? To manifest it to have testimony of it in your life. It's already yours, but we need to see the proof. Verse 3, which is the main verse I want to read here. For this I say through the grace given to me to every, through the grace given to me, and I say this to everyone among you, tap your neighbor and say it's talking to you. And watch the humility part of our stewardship. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think of yourself soberly. Be humble in your estimation of yourself. I think one reason why some people don't serve their brethren, maybe in a church setting like this, they think they are too big to serve us. Now, that may not apply to everybody, but that may be the reason. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Think soberly. And he's saying that in reference to stewardship. Look at verse 4. For we have many members of one body, But all members do not have the same function. He he, he, he likens stewardship and service to the way the physical body works. My head does some things. My hands do some things. My eyes do some things. My blood does some things. They don't all do the same thing. The same way every member of the body of Christ, the local church, has a function. And you should never think you are too big or too small to perform your function. Hallelujah. And then verse 6, he began to list the functions. He said, having then gifts, different, according to the grace given to us. Let us use it in proportion. Or let let us use it. Let us use them. If your own function is prophecy, then prophesy. Praise God. If your own function is faith, then uh, uh, prophesy according to faith. Verse 7, if your own is ministry, use it in your ministry, whatever service God has given you. He who teaches in teaching, if your own is teaching... He who exhorts in exhortation, you know, he, he lists the difference. Everybody has a function. And we should be humble. Somebody say humility. In our estimation of ourselves, don't think you are too bad. You see, humility, is, is there, there, are, there are two ways people manifest pride. Pride, um, pride, which is the basis of humility, can also mean you are believing something about yourself that God did not say about you. So maybe you used to be a prostitute before you got born again. And God has told you now he has washed you of your past sins. You are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. But you now come to church and say, ah, because of what I used to do, or even what I'm still doing, I can't serve in this kind of church. You are being proud. You are being pride. You, no, you, no, you don't have the right estimation of yourself. It's just that your own is the opposite of the guy here that is thinking more highly. You are thinking too lowly of yourself. It's still not humility. Humility is having the right thoughts and assumption and expectation and estimation of yourself that God says, God says you're a member of his body, hallelujah. God says you have a function, and God says use that function to serve all of us. Humility. We can't serve God as we ought if we don't think with a humble heart. James 4, 6 to 10. Verse 6, he gives more grace. And it's by that empowerment of grace we're able to do what we can do. I am what I am by the grace of God, Paul said. But I served or I labored more than them. You see, God gives you grace. Who does he give the grace to? Somebody? Huh? Come, talk to me. Look at it. God resists the proud and he does what? He gives grace to the humble. Praise the Lord. Now, look at that definition of humility in Romans chapter 12. Having a right estimation. I'm not thinking too highly of myself. I'm too big to serve them in this church. Or I'm too low. To serve hey, I don't have the education. Hey, I don't have the money. Hey, I don't have the clothes. Hey, hey, all those ones. Yeah, not being humble. All kinds of lies Satan tells people. And what he's doing is he's stealing humility from their hearts. Somebody say, not me. Not me. In fact, I think we should do that. Not me. And in your hearts. You know, you are saying not me because of television audience in your heart. You are saying to fear. Whatever that means. <laughs> he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, James 4, 6, God resists the proud. Those people that think they are too big to serve us or those people that think they are too small to serve us, may God never resist you in Jesus' name. Oh. If God resists you, who is going to help you? Where do you want to go? You want to go and call Donald Trump? Or <laughs> Somebody say, thank God, God is for me. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Quickly, let's go to the third quality, or the third attribute. The the third thing, we should make sure it's in our mind. Have a mind that follows after Christ, follows the example of Christ. Mindset that, and you make sure you maintain it. We are talking about developing and maintaining a stewardship mindset, having the right attitudes, so that you can serve God as you ought. You need a heart or a mindset of obedience. I mean, you've had me say this over and over again. You can't be a rascal and enjoy this thing. You can't. I don't know how better to say it to you. Ephesians 6 and 1. So he said, Jesus humbled humbled himself in Philippians chapter 2 and he obeyed even to the point of death. And you you see them teaching all these qualities and principles all through the New Testament. And they will always start the letter that hey, we are born servants. And you see all these things in the the epistles. What are they teaching us? This is the mindset. This is how we do it. And the same way God helped us, God will help you in your stewardship as well. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. What is right is right. Ephesians 6.1. This is right. Obey Your parents in the Lord, that talks to your pastors and your leaders in church. Obey them. Don't be doing things that are contrary to what you know the pastor teaches. Obey your parents in the Lord. Verse 5. Born servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. It goes beyond church. It goes beyond church in your office and all that, learn to be an obedient person. Now, this is not we are not telling you to go and do what is wrong or illegal. Though. Obedience doesn't cover that. I can't come and tell you now and say, hey, from today, in this church, we now believe in um, um, polygamy. So all the men, you can start marrying two, three wives. In fact, you can marry another, if, if I teach you that, you can say, ah, the Bible says obey your parents in the Lord. So I'm fixing, that sister I've even been hanging, I've been hanging her for a while. Let me, you can't, That's not obedience. You and the pastor, all of you are crazy. That's not, that's not obedience. Obedience is in the confines of the word of God. Praise the Lord. See, that's why it says parents in the Lord. Somebody say in the Lord. Parents that are teaching you what the Lord says. Hallelujah. You know this parable, Matthew 21. We won't have time to read it, but take it down. Matthew 21, verses 28 to 31, the parable of the two sons. Matthew 21, from verse 28. Jesus said, What do you think? You tell me. A man had two sons. He came to the first one and said, Son, go today and walk. Walk in my vineyard. He went on. The guy said, I'm not going. But afterwards, he went. Then he called the other son son go to there and walk. that's how that year we go and he did not go he said which one of you was a son answer which one is it yes. obedience obedience you do what i say you do what i teach if you are not doing it you are not being disobedient. you are being disobedient and that is not the heart or the attitude which you should serve am i making sense to somebody Number four, walk. Walk out your salvation. You, you need to walk. You see, you have to walk out what Jesus has walked inside of you. Walk out. Be diligent. Let me rush because of time. John 9 4. Jesus said, I must walk the walks of him that sent me. You see, this is the, our example the son, the bond servant son, the template. I must walk the walks. Watch what he said here of him that sent me while it is there. And please, when you hear walk, remember it is the Father that walks in us. Glory be to God, both to will and to do. said, I can do nothing. Jesus said, except I see what the Father does. So it was the Father walking through him. But there was that heart and that willingness to walk. I must walk the walks of him. Who sent me? And, fin- and um, the night is coming. He said, uh, "Must work his work while he the night is coming, when no one can walk. You only have a window, a sliver of time, to do these things, and that needs to be factored into our consciousness." I've been telling all of us in Kingswood, "The Kedja, Now that we have the new, the clock is ticking. <laughs> well, I usually tell the leaders that. I mean, we now have in our system, a church pastored by our younger adults. Then we have teenage church. You want to start that one? He, he tells the rest of us that, hey, walk while it is day. Walk while it is day. You are not going to have 900 years like Metuselao. or 100 years to build the ark like Noah. For where? You don't have that kind of time. God started with no at 500. You won't be here by 500. I'm telling you that by word of prophecy. <laughs> so, whatever we have to do, whether it's a cello or a zono or a churcho, tap your neighbor and say, Walk, 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 walk. Watch this attitude. You see, this is what I'm teaching you the attitude we have to cultivate and maintain. Watch this attitude of Jesus. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, in that incident of the woman at the well, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Glory be to God. What an amazing statement. Now, watch the three things he connected there. He connected the work of God to the will of God, and he connected it to food. This is, this is, this is my food, this is what I live by. They, when they went, they said he was hungry. By the time he came back, he had already said, witnessing to the woman. Walk, walk, be diligent. The steward must walk. Which kind of steward are you that doesn't walk? Number five, reverence for God. Again, I won't dwell too much here. We've talked extensively about this recently. But again, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Remember, what we are talking about is the keys of the kingdom. The things that make what we have been given freely to find expression in our lives. So, we won't be like Christians that have cars that are still walking up and down the street of Lagos. People that have salvation, but we can't see it in their lives. Somebody say, Not me. And inside you are saying, What? Tofiapa. <laughs> Hallelujah! seeing we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us have grace glory be to god by which we can serve god anyhow because you know it's grace now and grace means favor and grace means before we did anything god has already blessed us so let's just serve him anyhow is that what he taught you there Serve him acceptably. I know it's a grace gift, but even in grace, our stewardship must still be acceptable. Romans 12 called it reasonable. And it's acceptable when it is done with reverence. Pray with reverence. Teach with reverence. Lead worship with reverence. Usher with reverence. Clean the auditorium with reverence. I, I, I just had a conversation with Pastor Joshua. I, I, I told you that we can't Run the house of God as if it's our personal house. You must, this is the house of, you just can't do anything. No, with reverence. That is the right attitude. For God is a consuming fire. God is not going to kill you, you are his child. But even if you are his child, you should remember that this is my God. Jesus said, fear him that can send to hell. Don't fear people that can, they can only attack your body. But say, fear God that can send to hell. Now, you are not going to hell, can I hear loud amen? But it's interesting he told us that. Respect God. Stop doing as if God is your age mate. Just in the name of grace. Now, don't go to the extreme where you're not afraid of God. No, we thought about that. Can I hear a loud amen? amen. But understand the place of godly fear. Hallelujah. Let me move because of time. Again, we thought a lot on grace. Gratitude is the sixth one we said. Don't complain. First Corinthians chapter 10. Again, we won't have time to read this one. I've I've shared from this text a lot. But take this reference down from verses 1 to 13. Paul was talking about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And he said there are certain things they did that we should learn from their wrong example. So in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, watch what he told us again, just by way of reminder. And if you are not familiar with it, listen very closely. Now these things became our example. The parish in the wilderness is now telling us in the New Testament, let's learn from their error. It became our example. Somebody say, my example. my example. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Remember when they were in Egypt? Look at what God told Pharaoh. Let my people go that they may go and do what? Serve me. That's what God calls worship, stewardship, service. And how they behaved in that wilderness, where they were supposed to be serving God, they did some wrong things. One he said they lost it after evil things, and he said they died in the wilderness. You will not die in your wilderness, John, in Jesus' name. But he said, learn from the example. So he now go to verse 10. nor complain. As some also complain. Stop being a grumbling, complaining I'm Christian. Whether it is Nepal or Lagos traffic or unemployment, mm, you are not in this kingdom. Hallelujah. You are in heavenly kingdom. No complainers. All the political or the politicians or the president. Whichever thing Satan uses to wire complaining into your system, you better cast it out. Can I hear loud amen? If you're going to talk about them, say, I thank God for them. No complain as a steward of God. You never saw Jesus complain about people. Even the Pharisees that he used to rebuke, he would say pray for them. Hallelujah. Verse 11, all this, and complaining was just one of the things. I'm just bringing that out because Paul mentioned it in Philippians 2. All these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages 2018 have come does that make sense to somebody how you serve god is stewardship mindset. hallelujah and finally the last one do this thing with joy i don't know what you are doing for god though do it with joy and if you're not doing anything For God. You better get into joy and find something to do for God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Watch this powerful text. This is Apostle Paul again. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verses 24 and 25. Glory be to God. I love the title in my Bible. It is called Sacrificial Service in Christ. And to some extent, that is how all our service is—it's sacrificial. The Christianity we have started on the cross—it was sacrificial. We cannot follow Christ and not have a sacrifice mentality. Can I hear loud amen? amen? But watch what he said, Colossians one twenty-four. I now rejoice. Somebody say, I rejoice. I rejoice. You will think what he's saying—that I now rejoice in the new house they gave me, in Banana Island. Or the new card I just bought me during the, the last promotion. No. Watch what he rejoiced in. I rejoice what? In my sufferings for you. My sufferings for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus has finished the work. But to bring that finished work into manifestations, somebody has to preach at the midweek service. Somebody has to plant a church to the Gentiles like Apostle Paul. There are still some things that, as it's white, it's not finished yet, even though everything is finished. Praise God. So, watch this. As I am suffering for them, or not for me, oh, the suffering is not even for me. Oh. The suffering is not for me. There's nothing wrong with my marriage. There's nothing wrong with my health. There's nothing wrong with my finances. It's for them. But I'm doing it with joy. Glory be to God. As I'm filling up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction, suffering afflictions of Christ, I'm doing it with joy. I'm not saying, God, see me, oh, see me, oh, see me, oh, see them, oh, see them, oh, see them, Mm -mm. Wrong attitude. Hallelujah. For the sake of his body, which is the church, watch verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God. It was a stewardship. All these sufferings and afflictions I'm going, it was part of my stewardship. It was given to me for you, for your benefit, to fulfill the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So these are the things, please. Check the kind of attitude and mindset you have. As you serve God. And try and add these things. Glory be to God. You grow in them. Amen. You mature in them. And this is how you use the key of stewardship. The mindset matters. Let this mind be in you. Which also was in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Rise on your feet tonight. Lift your hands to heaven. Let's stop there. We'll continue on Sunday. And begin to bless.